Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to chat with Bob Irving about golf stuff. His thoughts on live, what's next for golf in America. How about some thoughts on the Bombers and Jets? You'll get that all coming up. Plus, Philip DeSantos, head coach and GM of Valor FC, talks about the recent eSports draft, some free agency, and the pressure to win on the podcast. Bob Irving, the man, the myth, the legend. He joins us now on the show to talk about various sporting topics. Bob, how's life for you? Life is good, Christian. How is it for you? It's good. You were just on a on a cruise ship, so yes. you're back on dry land. How many cruises do you take in a year? That depends. Usually a couple. Uh, we might have three this year. No, we only got two this year. So, yeah, a couple usually. We're big cruise fans. We like that uh, lifestyle and that way of vacationing. So we'll continue to do it as long as the health holds up and, like I tell all my friends, until the money runs out. <laughs> of course, of course. So <laughs> you're back home now to, to take in some sports and uh, yeah. I I, I reached out to you last week initially. I didn't know you were on a cruise. I had a feeling you might be. And when the text didn't go through, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's probably definitely on a cruise ship. Uh, when John Rahm left reportedly for $300 million to go to live, you're a big anti-live guy. Uh, anyone who follows you on Twitter knows that. How did this move make you feel? Well, first of all, when I'm on these trips or I'm away, I'm still really engaged. Christian, as you know, in what's going on in the world of sports, it's been a kind of a lifestyle for me. And so I... I focus in on everything that I can, the NFL, the NHL, the Jets, and then the golf story. And the golf story came out, there were rumors, right, that John Rahm was going to jump to live. And my first reaction was, well, boy, would that ever be hypocritical if he did that, based on the things he said in 2022 about live. But the more the rumors kept uh, coming across on Twitter or wherever else I could read about it, uh, it became clear that that was going to happen. And then, of course, it did. Uh, and I was, well, I wasn't shocked because the rumors had, you know, made it clear that there was a possibility this would happen. But I tweeted right away that he's got to be the biggest hypocrite in the world because of the things he said about Liv just over a year ago. He hated their format, 54 holes. It's not real golf. He had no use for team sports. And then the other part was about the money where he said, and he also talked about heritage and, you know, he wanted to win Jack Nicklaus's Memorial Tournament and Arnold Palmer's Tournament, and those were, win at Pebble Beach, those were things that would make his career and make his mark on golf, the, the history and the, uh, the legacy that he would leave behind. Uh, and then he talked about the money, and again, this is over a year ago, where he said, I don't need $400 million. It's not going to change my lifestyle. I, I live a very comfortable life. My wife and I have decided we've got all the money we'll ever need. And so when you hear those things, and I've seen that interview played back many times, and then he turns around and does exactly the opposite. So what changed his mind, Christian? Well, I guess it's the old story. Everybody has their price, right? And so when the, when the bidding got up to whatever it is, $500 million, 550 who knows exactly what it is, I guess he felt uh, he couldn't turn it down. I don't know, for a guy who said, I've got all the money I'll ever need, uh, clearly, I guess he didn't, and so he's gone over to live, and it's a, you know, it's a blow to the PGA Tour, of course, and it's a shot in the arm to live because he's a phenomenal player, a popular player, one that everybody likes to watch. But I just uh, shake my head over, you know, if if he had said, look, the things I said in 2022, I stand by them, but they have upped the ante so much. The Saudis and Liv have upped the ante so much to 500 million. I simply can't turn my back on that. If he'd have said that, 
then I said, okay, fine. Now, at least you're being honest. I go back, Christian, to what Harold Varner said, and he jumped to live. And he, <laughs> I loved his quote. He said, you know, anybody over here playing with live that says they're here to grow the game or they wanted to try something new, they're BSing you. We're all here for one reason, money. That's why we're here, all of us. We're here for the Saudi money. So anyway, so John Rahm's uh, move surprised me, but it didn't because of all the speculation leading up to it. Yeah, it's a tough look. It's a tough blow for the PGA Tour. He's one of the best golfers in the world. He did win the Masters. And the fact that live players can still participate in the majors, the fact that there's this agreement between PGA and the Saudis that's looks like it it's going to happen at some point. They talked about it in the summer. It's got a December 31st deadline, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's all going to probably blend together at some point. And I guess as a golf fan, you just have to grin and bear it that it's all happening like this. Yeah, well, this is where it gets muddy, though, because back in June, as you said, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour and the people from Live, announced that they'd reached a verbal agreement to come up with some sort of amalgamation of the two outfits. Now, they've been able to hammer anything out up to this point, and we're still all wondering what that agreement might look like. Now, there's been reporting, and I know you follow this, Christian, in the last few days, that the PGA Tour is set to receive a massive cash injection from a consortium of billionaire sports team owners. And they call themselves the Strategic Sports Group. The owners of the Boston Red Sox are involved in this, apparently Liverpool FC and other owners, rich owners of sports teams. And they would then link up with the PGA Tour and maybe with Liv. Who knows, right? This is all out there. Nobody knows how it's all going to shake down. And they would form a for-profit entity. Remember, the PGA Tour was always a not-for-profit entity. They would form a for-profit entity called PGA Tour Enterprises. And they would inject all kinds of money into the PGA Tour and up the purses and all the rest of it. So, you know, here's another piece of this whole thing that has just muddied the waters even further. I don't think they'll meet this December 31st deadline that the Live and PGA Tour had set to reach some sort of agreement. I think they'll extend it. Uh, And how it's all going to shake down, none of us know. None of us knew in June, and we're really no closer to knowing now. Uh, I would say this, though. The PGA Tour, when Liv got involved and the Saudis got involved, they were up against the financial might of the Saudis. Okay, And they just couldn't compete with that. And that's one of the reasons why Jay Monahan went to Liv and said, look, we've got to work something out here because we just don't have the... We don't have the resources that you people have. What can we what can we work out? And that's where it stands now. We're all wondering how it's going to shake down, if there's going to be some sort of amalgamation, who will be the next to jump. Uh, you know, and so it's just a mess, right? Golf is a mess, and it's no clearer now than it was back in June. But you're going to keep watching, right? Well, I guess so. I, I, you're not watching Live. No one's watching no, Live. No, but no. well, that's the thing. Well, I'm a golf fan, right? And yeah. I will watch. I know. I tweeted. I said I might stop watching here. The ultimate question I've asked in this whole thing is why are the Saudis doing this? Just think about that. Why are they doing this? Did the crown prince all of a sudden fall in love with golf? I mean, really, come on. Uh, So they're doing it for a reason, and, and it's not a sound investment. They've poured millions, even billions into this thing now into live. And they're, you know, the profit, well, they haven't made any profit at all. They've lost all that money because Liv's not producing any sort of, uh, you know, money. So why are they doing it? Well, I go back to sports washing. They somehow feel that this will enhance their view on the world stage, I guess. 
or maybe just a whim. They thought, man, let's go over and mess up one of the iconic uh, things in the United States of America, which is the PGA Tour. Let's go over there and mess that up and throw it into chaos and and, and just really, you know, turn it upside down. And Greg Norman will help us because he hates the PGA Tour, and Phil Mickelson will help us because he does too and he needs the money. And away we go. And I know I'm sounding very cynical about uh, what they're doing here, but that's the way I feel. I just, I don't know why they're doing it. I understand why they've invested in F1 racing, the Saudis, I mean, and they got, got involved in some soccer teams. Those have a chance to, you know, return on the investment. Liv has no chance to do that the way it's currently set up. It has no chance to do that. So it's a terrible business venture on the Saudis' behalf. So then why are they doing it? Well, I think we all know why they're doing it. Well, I have you. I might as well ask about some of the other Winnipeg sports things that we have going on. The Grey Cup, we're just about a month removed from it. Tough one for the Bombers, but still have the feeling that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with next year? Yeah, I think so. And we'll know more about that in the next uh, few weeks and months, I guess, when free agency rolls around and we have a better idea of who the Bombers can re-sign. I think they'll have good success, Christian, in re-signing key guys because they always have. Those uh, losses in the Grey Cup this year and last year, very painful. They still made the Grey Cup four years in a row, so I think we have to look at the bigger picture. But uh, boy, oh boy, after winning two and then losing the way they did the the last two on last-minute plays, those are really, really tough to swallow. But if they can get uh, key players re-signed, and they started with Willie Jefferson, and I know they're working, as you and I speak, they're working daily on Dalton Schoen and, uh, you know, the whole bunch of them who are free agents uh, to see if they can get them re-signed and fit them into the salary cap, which is going to be the problem. Uh, You know, everybody wants more money. I shouldn't say everybody, but some of the key guys will want more money shown. Certainly Brady Oliveira uh, kind of wants to set the mark for running backs in terms of salary. So it's going to be a real challenge. But uh, as I say, they've met that challenge pretty successfully in the past, and I have a feeling they probably will again. To the Jets now, and I imagine you are impressed with what you're seeing from that team right now? Oh boy, aren't we all? Uh, and I was on with Hal this morning, and I reminded him that they were in a roughly similar situation, weren't they, at this point last year? They had, uh, after 28 games, one more point last year than yeah. they do this year. So riding high, yep. and uh, everybody was pumped up and optimistic, but things are different this year in my view. It, It's just a whole different makeup, a different, I hate to use the word culture here, but it feels like to me a different culture that's at work within the Jets this year and the departure of a couple of key guys in the offseason and then the long-term contracts by Shifley and Hellebuck, I think, uh, have galvanized that, that team in that room. And they certainly have, you know, enough talent to be a playoff team. They're, this uh, stat just screams out at me. They've played 18 games in a row in which they've given up three goals or less. I mean, that's incredible, Christian. That's uh, If you can play defense like that, and can they sustain it? I don't know. As long as they got Hellebuck, probably they can come close to it. But that's uh, that's terrific stuff if you can play defense like that. Losing Kyle Connor hurts, obviously. But, no, they got a good thing going over there. And uh, like everybody else, I'm anxious to see the last two-thirds of the season and see how it all plays out. Do you watch every game? Oh, yeah, if I'm able to, and if I'm not able to watch, I uh, I follow it on Twitter and other devices and get the shots on goal and the ice time and the whole nine yards. And so I know people say, get a life. Well, it had been this was my life for 
much of my life, and I still enjoy doing it. The, the other thing I, w- I was going to comment on was Shohei Otani signing that big contract. And, and you know, I, I had a friend say to me, well, they get $700 million. Why shouldn't John Rahm go over for four or $500 million? It's a different situation, right? The Dodgers, the Dodgers, and with the deferred contract and all the rest of it, they can still make a profit paying him that money. Uh, and so they're, you know, they're happy to do it because they can still be a profitable operation. And that's the difference between the Otani money and what the Saudis gave her on. They have no chance of recovering that, but they don't care. They don't care. It doesn't matter to them. I know you're a big NFL guy too. You're just, you're a big sports guy. You're like me. You watch a lot of sports all over the place. Do you find it? T- I watch every game, no matter what, even though it's a lot of it's bad this year. Do you, find the quarterback play making you less desirable of wanting to watch games or do you still invest anyway even though Brady's gone Rodgers is out all that well yeah I think there have been some injuries too with the the starting quarterback tons of injuries yeah Yeah, and so we're seeing these backup guys that nobody knows much about it may I was watching uh, was the game last night the Thursday night game and I'm thinking if Nathan Rourke now, in the Vikings, too, they're down to, they've used four quarterbacks. If Nathan Rourke got a chance to go in with some team and they said to him, look, you're our guy, we're going with you, and he got a chance to play one, two, three, four games in a row, how would he look? But you know what, Christian? I don't think he'll ever get that chance. I really don't because of where he's from and where Canadian players generally are perceived by the people in the NFL, especially quarterbacks. I hope I'm wrong, but... Uh, no, the quarterback play hasn't been great, but, you know, the San Francisco 49ers are writing a nice story with their seventh-round uh, draft pick playing quarterback. And so there's still, look, if you're a football fan, and I am, there's still lots to like about watching the National Football League. Well, in Nick Mullins, we Vikings fans trust tomorrow afternoon against the Cincinnati Bengals and hope for the best that that works out. Bob, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Have happy holidays. Okay, you too, Christian. Bye-bye. Bob Irving, the legend, longtime voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, big sports fan. Now in his retirement. Soccer time. Yes, we're looking out the window. We don't really think about soccer, but Valor FC is doing work behind the scenes to get ready for its sixth season, hoping for its first playoff berth in franchise history. And the man in charge of all that is their head coach and GM, Phil DeSantos. He joins us now on the show. Phil, how's your winter going so far? It's been good, uh, good Christian. How are you? I'm doing well. Let's uh, first talk about what happened this week, and that is... Uh, the U Sports draft. You drafted two players. First of all, what is the importance of this draft in terms of team building? I think that this year uh, it's it's even more important. Uh, there's there's been a shift in in rules where a drafted player doesn't count as uh, it's 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 in a development roster spot and and uh, doesn't count against your your salary cap. So if you if you nail those, it could be a, a good boost for for what you could build with the rest of your cap space. So, of course, we, we had that first draft pick, and it was important for us to make sure we would get a player that could come in and, and contribute right away. And we felt that uh, with with uh, Owen. Um, I think that it was someone that um, many teams had an eye on, and, and Daryl had a chance to watch him firsthand. Uh, in 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 live with uh, with the uh, the playing in the finals, the U Sports finals. So for us, it was important to make sure we would not only bring a quality player, but a player that could uh, play in the CPL as of as of next season. So we believe we have that in Owen, and we 
we took this we, we take every draft very seriously because there's been good players in the past coming coming out of the draft but this one was a special one for us Owen Shepard 21 years old he led the Cape Breton University Capers to the U Sports title was named tournament MVP in the process, nine goals in 11 games this past season. So he's got a pedigree of success on the field. And, and does winning a championship add to the appeal of a player like Owen Shepard? Of course, it's hard to win in any league, any division. It uh, doesn't matter the sport. So when you get that experience, it, it's an important uh, exp- uh, experience to, to bring to any locker room. So uh, it adds it adds for sure. Uh, he's been he's been asked to perform in in a situation that is it, it re- requires a lot, um, and and he delivered. So for us, we look at all the components. So he's someone who stepped up to the equa- uh, the the occasion in the, in that moment. That shows maturity. It's a player that doing our homework, talking to his coach, has grown a lot in the last couple seasons. So it's. It's going to be interesting to see how he shows up in preseason and how he competes with players that have been at the pro scene for uh, for a while now. So we are we're we're looking forward to seeing Owen um, with with our group and see how he does. Because it, as a young player like he is, turning 22 in March yeah. and getting his first pro taste, this is you know you'd, you'd love to have him come in and make an immediate impact. But is that maybe too much to expect? Yeah, we always measure expectations. I I want to make sure that even even when we we look at what he's done at the U Sports level, we there's still a gap between the CPL and the U Sports. But it's a good base, a good foundation to bring into the sports game. And you know, we're always talking about uh, the qualities that players possess and what can they bring to the table. And I've alerted the staff and 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 even. Uh, discussions that that we've had lately of you know what does the player have what sets him apart what's what's going to separate him from other players and it's important that players have that and and when you look at a guy like Owen he just has a, a, a raw and pure athletic ability that if he adds um, a, a soccer sense to his game and and, and grows in his understanding of what we want from him, him technically and tactically in the game, I think he could be a very, very special player. So we're here to help him. We know there's a growing process. We know that uh, he's going to have to to overcome a barrier, but some players do that quite well, and I think it's just part of the challenge, and, and we're looking forward to see how he, he does that, and we're here to help him. Uh, and we we we're gonna embrace this with with managed uh, expectations, making sure that we don't burn steps. And if he could come in and help the team right away, good. If if uh, we see that he's growing in the environment um, and that he needs a little bit more time, it needs to be progressive. We'll give him that time. I think that's that's the best way to go about it. I'm curious about your other pick, Giancarlo or John Franco Feccineri. Yeah. Yeah, he played last year in Ontario's League One. How is he eligible for the U Sports draft? He was he was at uh, Windsor University. Frankie is a player that I had with the Vancouver Whitecaps. He was signed as a homegrown. Uh, he was captain of the U17 national team that played the World Cup, 
he's a player that always had very had to live with very high expectations and you know he did what what any player is asked to do if if things don't go your way and you're asked to to maybe take a step back in your career make sure that you dominate in the environment that you're going to be in to have that second chance and that's what Frankie did he he went back to university he had a very good season he played in the summer in league 1 ontario was named defender of the year um and when i spoke with him i i i felt a, a kid that you know went through a hard time um at to overcome that the fact that there were so many expectations and that he didn't deliver it was unusual circumstances uh, circumstances through covid was always away from home asking and, and he was asked a lot to to break a, a major league soccer lineup it didn't happen for him and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing how how he's matured he's a center back with a lot of individual qualities um and i think that if he comes in and he 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 just has the right the right mind and and understand that he doesn't need to um to create an immediate impact but progressively find his ground and uh and has the confidence of the, the coaching staff i think he could be a very good pick for us you made a signing today as well 25 year old defender roberto alarcon who spent last uh, season last two seasons in fact with cavalry fc what do you like about him He's, uh, he's a right back that from day one, when he arrived in the league um, in 2022 and in the summer transfer w- uh, window, um, I said, man, this, this, this guy's the type of right back that could succeed in the league. And he did that. He was very good for Cavalry in the first stage of last year until he got his injury. Um, and then he had to get back in the lineup that was succeeding in winning games and and that's not always easy to do when you had a, an extended injury. Um, but uh, Rob is, is is a player that has undeniable qualities. He could is uh, very good on the ball. He has very good attacking qualities. But he's a competitor. He doesn't shy out from challenges. He understands that as a fullback, he needs to first and foremost defend well. Um, and then he adds he adds that quality offensively to the team. He's someone that's dynamic. Uh, I always I always referenced him as you know if we were looking at a right back or a left back for our team, those are qualities that they need to possess. So when we had the chance to to start talking to him and and the negotiation process uh, initiated for us, it was a it was a priority. We knew that. It was someone we wanted to bring to to Winnipeg, so I said it in 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 the press release, and I keep saying it. I believe that it's one of of those players that in his position could be uh, amongst the best in the league. So this team's never been to the playoffs in five years of existence. How much pressure do you feel putting this team together this season to try and change that? Christian, it's a life. I say there's no no pressure, even if if it's the one that I put on myself. So. Of course, it's uh, it's a season that's extremely uh, important for for us as a staff, for the club, the players that are coming in. They understand that 
were all eager uh, to make uh, this year a special year. I think that when we speak about the fans, I, it, it's normal that they want to see a playoff team. They want to see a playoff game here in Winnipeg. Um, but we want that too. And I think that that's what we're working for in the off season. And that's our, our, our goal, our ambition. Um, and we have to always look at, okay, what are the top teams? What do they look like? And, and try to go and catch them. That's the way we see it. How, how can we get there? I don't want to be just that playoff team. I want to go beyond that. I want this city to experience something that they haven't with, with, with valor and that's our our goal. That's our objective. Now we do it in a way where we have to we have to to stay humble. We have to to understand that the market is extremely competitive, and it won't be about uh, individuals. It's going to be about the sum of the parts, and making sure that we we don't just start jumping on um, players that could be free, but we need to make sure that. We bring the right players for, for this project and for what we're trying to build. Phil, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Have a happy holiday and we'll talk to you in the new year. Same to you, Christian. All the best. Philip DeSantos, head coach and GM of Valor FC. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the